We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome back to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. I am your co-host, Mike DeVito. Big Jeff, unfortunately, isn't here today. But as you can see, we have an incredibly special guest who really needs no introductions to Chiefs Kingdom, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And that is my brother, 17 17 years, T-Rich? Yeah, I snuck in 17 somehow. (laughs) 17 years, perennial all-pro bowler, perennial uh, all-pro. Chiefs, T-Rich, you got all kinds of accolades, man. I could sit here for 20 minutes and talk about your resume my brother, Tony Richardson. T. Rich, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. How you doing today, brother? Doing well. And definitely uh, thank you for having me, like, you know, to be able to talk to you and um, to speak to my brother and obviously support your show is, is amazing. So happy Thanksgiving to you, your family, and everyone else listening to the show. And uh, looking forward to having some fun tonight. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm so, I'm so grateful you're here. I was very lucky in my career not only to get to play football, but to get to play football with some legends. And you are one of them. You are one of those people that I get to tell my kids, hey, I get to take the field and suit up with T. Rich. So uh, it's an honor to have you on, brother. I want to talk about first, what are you up to, man? Like, what are, what are the things you're doing now? I mean, you 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 obviously have an incredible resume. Like I said at the beginning, what is like, where would we find T. Rich now? What are you, what are you up to? What are you doing? Yeah, so currently I'm, I'm living, living here in New York still. Yeah, um, I work with the NFL legends, and so um, right. our point person in Kansas City would be Will Shields. Um, right. And I know he has, you know, kind of a bigger territory, but you know now the teams I kind of see it over a region, so pretty much the Northeast. So it's uh, the AFC teams in Northeast as well as the NFC teams in Northeast. So it's actually you know, it's really cool. So really, you know, with NFL legends, you know, we get a chance to because the biggest thing, um, you know, I think you can attest to this as, as me as well. It's like. The biggest thing you miss when you leave the game is your camaraderie. You miss that locker room feel. You miss being around the guys. And, you know, we see it sometimes guys go out there in, in no man's land, just kind of disappear. So the one thing we want to do is, you know, first celebrate, you know, your career, um, meet you where you are. You know, some guys, you know, may have played five years and may have been out for a year or two, and they still are in that transition mode where they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So one thing we want to do from the league standpoint is just more so support you know, our guys, um, like I said, create that locker room feel and just let them know that, 
you know, if you play one year in this league, you play two years, you got a chance to do something less than 1% of the entire world had a chance to do. And you know what? Let's celebrate that. And also let's catapult that into whatever that next phase of life looks like. And, you know, one thing that we know is that the NFL shield carries a lot of weight. And, Mm. and a lot of times, you know, you talk to guys who are like, well, man, dang, you know, all I did was play football. And I'm like, don't ever say that. All you do is play football and the skills that we learn, as you know, those transfer over to everything else you're going to do the rest of your life as far as, you know, um, being a leader in the locker room or being a leader in a company, um, submitment to authority, whether if it's, you know, being a great teammate, being someone to support. So all those right. kind of things, just, you know, the uniform's going to be different. We're not going to put that helmet on for, right. again, which I don't want to put it on. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, our uniform's going to change. So now we might have to put on a collar shirt, nice pair of slacks, and then, you know, change our, uh, change our uniform, but it's still the same skill sets that we already know. Uh, T. Rich, what you have done for our community and for the guys coming out, myself and and so many others included, has been huge. A few episodes back, uh, Jeff Allen and I, Jeff was on um, uh, an Amazon Prime documentary that uh, Thomas Jones did called Life yeah. After. He was, yep. and so Jeff was one of the one of the weeks that they followed, and and so we sort of talked about how difficult it is to get done with football and be doing one thing your entire life, and now all yep. of a sudden you're off that train and you got to sort of remake and put, put the pieces back together and figure out who you are now. And the NFL legends community and T rich, what you do. I mean, you take that role to another level. I see your social media, obviously uh, we've been fellowshipping and catching up, but I see everything that you do and you have, you have made an incredible difference for so many guys retiring out of the NFL. Um, so I thank you for that, brother. What, what you know, the, the mantle you're, you're you're taking up over there is huge, and the, the NFL Legends community. I mean, when I have anything going on, any sort of issue or things, you know, things coming up or whatever, uh, I'm going right to you guys, yeah. and it's always yeah. you know email right back, and things are taken care of. I mean, you guys just treat us like we're still players, and I think yeah. one of the most difficult things when you retire is you you quickly realize. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't work like it used to, right? You can't just exactly. call somebody and get something done. You know, now you're part of the regular, you know, you're just sort of doing the real world thing now. You're you're yeah. you're off the NFL train. And but you guys uh you guys really help us in so many different ways. And so I'm I'm grateful for that, T Rich. I wanna I wanna get into your career, man, because I know you, you I mean you spent 150 years in the NFL, you got so <laughs> much experience, and I know a big chunk of that was in Kansas City. But yeah. before we get into Kansas City, talk to me about being an undrafted free agent because you and I have that same story. But yeah. when you came in the league, I mean when I thought it was tough when I came in the league, you came in the damn league. It was the Wild West, man. I mean, yeah. that was that was tough. So talk to me about sort of your, what your career was like and yeah. especially getting started. Like what, what did it, in 1994, an undrafted free agent, yeah. what was that like, brother? Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think for me personally, it was, well, first and foremost, I go all the way back. You know, I'm not going to go back all the way down the train. But, you know, my dad was a military man. So, huh. you know, he served our country for 32 years. Um, you know, I was born in Germany. And so for me, one thing I definitely know in some of the traits that my dad taught me was hard work. And so... And it's, you know, you look at it, like you said, you experienced it, and like, you're on the other end of that coin, and you're an undrafted free agent, boy, that hill was like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it's tough, you know, because, right. but you know the thing about it, I think the best thing that happened to me, obviously having that uh, upbringing with my dad, but, right. you know, playing at Auburn University. So for me, you know, playing at a small town, well, I guess in high school, coming from a small town and having to go to like a big university like Auburn and just understanding like, all 100 of the kids <laughs> are literally all like five-star recruits or, you know, so it's like yeah. you, you're fighting every single day. And so it's just, 
you know, I didn't get drafted. I think I was so naive and, you know, looking back on it that I didn't even know what I didn't know. And so right. when I got the opportunity to go to the Dallas Cowboys, um, we had just come off a of back, we had just come off an undefeated season at Auburn. And the guys that really only got drafted that year because we were on probation was Wayne Gandy. He was a first round uh, tackle from the Rams. Right. James Bostic, and I think we had maybe a, a defensive end. That was our our entire draft class. So when I had a chance to go to Dallas, and I don't know why, you know, I chose it. They had just come on yeah. back to back Super Bowls, yeah. and I'm looking around. I'm like Charles Haley from uh, Leon Lett to Michael Irvin to Troy, and I'm like, you know, I'm around nothing but superstars. I'm like, yeah. why am I going to try to make that team? But, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, I, I just hit the ground, you know, running. It's, like I said, just kept my blinders on and really just didn't think about, okay, well, you know what? There's about uh, eight running backs here, and I'm number eight on the depth chart. So I was just like, every single day, bro, I was just out there just like, you know what, doing the best that I could do, put my best foot forward, and just kind of let the chips fall as they may. And so I didn't make the team the first year, and I was on practice squad. And to me, I wouldn't want that any other way because I think, you know, sometimes, I think for me, and I think my course, I think God had a plan and a purpose, and I'm not quite sure – had I been a first-round draft choice in Dallas, that I may have still had that hunger um, or may have still had that 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 fight that you have to have as an right. agent because you know, like, people are like, oh, man, you work out uh, even on your off days. I said, yeah, I like working on my off days, but that's the day they also bring in uh, different people to work out. So, like, <laughs> I see you're seeing what's going on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm over squat, and I was like, okay, well, that's a my entire career and guys used to be like dude you're so paranoid and i'm like i'm not paranoid i'm just realistic because you right. gotta imagine i mean you know this like this is a business and every single day the the front office are charged with bringing you know, the best players in and putting the roster together. Right. And so that evidence what kind of kept me going and kept me moving. And, you know, I thank God that, you know, I went to the Dallas Cowboys. And then once I got to Kansas City, you know, having Marty Schottenheimer was literally like having my dad, you know, as a coach because he was stern, he was tough, he was hard-nosed. But if you, he told you what he expected of you, and as long as you did that, then you were fine. And that's the thing I like. It's like, you know, sometimes you get, you know, around coaching staffs and they play games. And they're like, tell me one thing, we're doing something else. Nah, there was no sugar coating with Marty. Right, right. You know, he was going to let you know where he stood. And if you wasn't cutting the bill, then he was going to let you know. And right. if you didn't, you're going to be out of there. So I love that because that way I knew, you know, as long as I kept putting positive things on the tape, because, you know, the eye in the sky don't lie, then right. uh, if right. I'm putting positive things on the, on the tape, then, you know, I had an opportunity to kind of stay around. Oh, you know, T. Rich, I had very similar story, and I, I can say the same exact thing. Like, thank God. Yeah. Uh, I had that sort of, I, I went to the university of Maine, obviously a small school had yeah. to earn that. Uh, and then getting to the NFL coming in in 2007, Eric Mangini's the head coach, Eric put a big, uh, and you know, this put a, a yeah. premium on just hard work. Like if you showed up and you worked hard and you didn't complain, just put your head down. He yeah. was going to give you, you know, even if you didn't have the talent, maybe he was going to, uh, make sure that you were part of that organization because that's exactly. really the sort of philosophy. And you remember, I mean, you remember, Eric, because you were there in 2008 with oh, Eric, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 saw, I saw Coach Mangini on TV today. I was laying on the couch and I heard him. I was like, that noise, that, that can I kind of feel like I had a bad dream. Man, it was tough. It was tough, right? I mean, that, those those first two years, 2007, 2008 with Eric, that – 
But Mangini, that was hard. But man, that built the foundation for the rest oh, of yeah. my career. I was the same way as you. I was afraid every year about, yeah. I, I, you know, I got to make this team, regardless yeah. if I signed a contract or whatever it was. So, yeah. man, talk. To, and, okay, so, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did I cut you no, off? No, I was going to say, and that's the thing. Like, in my year, when I came to the Jets in 2000, I guess it was 2008, that was the hardest year of football I've ever had in my entire career. Okay, never, that was it. I'm not even going to joke, bro. I was like, dude, I used to drive home sometimes. Like, man, I don't know if I could do this. Because I lived in, uh, you know, I, I still live in Long Island City. So everyone was always, you know, giving me a hard time because I had, you know, so far to drive. To I remember. I had to get over here. But there was times I was questioning, like, man, I don't know if this is for me. Because it was, but you know what? Like you said, he built that foundation. And it was like, it was the dog days. Like every single day where you were just walking around like, Dude, I used to go in meetings, I would have like anxiety attacks. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like and I knew I knew my stuff, but I'm like, I would question myself, like, you know, oh, what's the what's the three technique you gotta do on defense? Like, I'm like, why do I need to know that? But you know what? <laughs> I learned more ball. I'm gonna tell you, I learned more ball that year than I learned in my I'm talking about in my entire career on any level. But that that atmosphere was just so like, I mean, it was hard, it was tough, bro. It was you know, it was extremely hard. It was like, man, I was like, dude, I don't know. I was like, Dad, I don't think I could do this no yeah. It was hard, bro. It was tough. It and think about that. That was what, year 15, 16 yeah. for you? I mean, that was like, yeah. I remember T. Rich, I had a book like this. Oh, no. That was, that I, that was just like stuff that was written on the walls around the facility yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, yeah. or the names of the people in the media <laughs> department. Because Eric Mangini would, we would have yeah. a team meeting and yeah. he would say, DeVito, stand up, especially if you were a rookie, young guy. Oh, DeVito, yeah, you stand up. Tell me, uh, when you pull in, what's on the front gate of the facility? Damn, I don't know what's on the dude, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make it here on time, man. I'm not yeah, man. on the wall. But when he got, I don't know if you remember, when he got Eric Ainge, and this is what I knew. I was like, this is real. He said, Eric Ainge, stand up. He said, name everyone in the room. And I'm like, dude, this dude, and, you know, Ainge was pretty smart. Dude, he named every last single person, defensive back coach, front office person. And I'm like, good night. I'm like, dude, I'm like, if I ever do this, you're going to get me up out of here because I, I feel like I can know. I know all the running backs. I might know all the receivers. I don't know the defense long, but I can't name everyone in this room. <laughs> right. That was hard, bro. It was tough. Yeah. Well, and then and then he'd bring like the media department or like yeah. uh, somebody from the third floor, like the yeah. business people, finance people. <laughs> like who's the who would have named the finance people? Like, what? Yep. <laughs> man, but that built that foundation. And and man, I learned football. Like yeah. I understood the game. When I look at these young kids now, T Rich, they come in, man. they they got five minutes. They yeah. got like seven. They have like seven padded practices in training camp before things get real. I, yeah. I don't know how the heck they. I don't know how the heck they do that. What, what do you? Before we get on to, to Kansas City, I, I do want to talk. I mean, what do you think about that? Because I feel like when I look at the league, you see these rules were put in place yeah. to prevent injury, but at the same, but it seems like it hasn't prevented injury. Yeah. And I do yeah. sometimes wonder if the level of play has fallen off a bit, just especially. Yeah. When I look at the big guy, and you were one of us, right? The big guys, because you can't you can't practice coming downhill on an ISO block yeah. in spiders. You just can't do it. But when you're yeah. when you're gonna do it a few times in training camp, and then for the first couple of weeks, and then you're not gonna have pads on for the rest of the season. I mean, what do you think, T. Rich? Like, am I is this just old man just being all you know, grudging? Not, not at all. Like, I go out to watch the Jets at training camp. And it's like literally like they're just running around and like I'm like okay and they were like oh this is a padded day I'm like padded day where's the pads it's like no contact nothing but that's the thing Coach Mill would always say you can't get better at football only way you can get better at football is playing football and right. so you gotta and you understand how it feels like for 
for me as a fullback, like I needed to see what the guard center combo was like right. and to see how tight I needed to come across to get up to the Mike linebacker or whatever. And you can't simulate that in a walkthrough. I mean, I think a classic example, and obviously it's extremely difficult to practice these kind of plays, but when Buffalo against uh, – against, um, uh, who was that? When they fumbled a snap against the, uh, the Vikes. Yeah. And do you know, could you – I mean, one, that's going to be extremely hard to, to – to, to rep that play because obviously you know the center's about to get blown up. Right. But right. you know, kind of one of those things is like you can't you can't physically, you know, if you're not doing if you're not going nine like let nine on seven, when the Jets, if you remember, nine on seven was harder than anything that we were ever going to do in the game. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if we had a 60 play running drive, there was nothing that was gonna be harder as our nine on seven and it was 12 yeah. play. Because we used to get after it. That was a, I mean literally that was a full speed collision every single day, sometimes twice a week. It was insane, but and that was going you know, to week sixteen. That yeah, okay. like that was that wasn't that didn't okay. stop. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And even training camp, like training camp, was brutal. But yeah, so I, I think I definitely believe that um, you know a lot of these soft tissue inju- injuries, different things like that, because you can't get better at playing football if you're not playing. And it's like, right. and sometimes, and you know, and you know how me and Jeannie was. It was like, dude, we didn't have a good week, and we're like, okay, easing into it. Did he ramp it up harder the next week? I'm like, dude, my shoulder feels like it's about to fall off. <laughs> I remember. I remember. He's like, you got to set your pads. And, dude, we went into a game. That's one thing. I was I was not going to get caught off guard by contact because we did it in practice. And I'm like, oh, man, this is this – because you, you feel it in practice. And then in the game, all of a sudden, the linebacker comes downhill. And I'm like, dude, this is easy. You know what yeah, I mean? We've been doing this all during the week. Yeah. Yep. T. Rich, I remember uh, – Eric Mangini, it, it, there was snow on the ground, so it had to be yeah. December in Hofstra. Mm-hmm. We were doing – we started practice with one-on-one yeah. tackle drills. Yeah. Remember we used to go 15 oh, yeah. yards apart? And then, yeah. like, that's how we started practice. Started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. totally. You know, if it starts like that, you know, it ain't getting no better. <laughs> no, no. I, we were laughing the other week. I was telling Jeff, uh, because the Chiefs had the bye week, I was like, Man, those first few years without oh, the bye weeks was the worst. I hated bye weeks. Oh, we hated bye weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bye week was crucial. Keep it. Keep yeah, bye yeah, weeks. Exactly. Let's just go. Let's <laughs> roll. Let's keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. Hey, folks, hate to interrupt, but I got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings. And NFL Sundays are only getting better. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. I really love doing the same-game parlays. The DraftKings app is the best app out there. You can't get a better experience just user-wise, the deals, everything, it's perfect. And with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Here's what you got to do. Got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now let's get back to the show. T. Rich, all right, so when I look, I mean, you played with some, I mean, not only are you one of the greatest players to ever do it, but you played with some of the greatest players and greatest coaches to ever do it. You brought up Shadi, you brought up Vermeil. Talk to me about yeah. those two guys. Like, what were their coaching styles like? What were the at, What was the atmosphere like? Like, I, I always like to think back and compare sort of what it was like under Eric Mangini compared to yeah. Rex Ryan, compared to Andy Reid. You, you, you got two Hall of Famers there. What were those two guys like? Yeah, it was it was pretty great. I mean, the good thing is that, you know, for me, I think the things that really helped me, I think you can attest to the same thing, just like, you know, having leadership. So obviously when I looked at Dallas Cowboys, we had great leaders. When I got to Kansas City, you know, I mean, there was leaders across the board. I mean, I'm in the locker room with, you know, Marcus Allen, you know, Kimbo Anders, and then look on defense. I'm like, I had to go against Derek Thomas every day in one-on-ones. Like, I could never, I could, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I could never block him. But you know, the thing about it was like, if 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 I gotta, you know, try to deal with DT at, from a linebacker standpoint, there's not a linebacker other than God rest his soul, Junior Seattle. It was that I had to deal with that was, you know, just like that. But it was like you were prepped, you were prepped, you were ready, and that's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, Neil Smith, Dan Sally Moore, Tracy Simeon, you know, Dale Carter, James Hasty. Like, we had like, you know, we had. God, we had good leadership guys, and it's interesting because I did Rich Chimini's, um podcast. I think it was yesterday morning. Yeah, and he was asking me because you know the whole situation with the quarterback came up, and so he was asking me like, you know, what some of the things that I see different from the locker rooms I've been in. I said the thing that we don't have anymore, and I said I know that the game's gotten younger, and you know the money obviously is getting greater, but you don't have that 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 grizzled vet that was like in year ten, who was a you know backup linebacker but a special teams guy. Like those were the guys that kept your locker room together. That was right. the glue, and you don't ha- you don't have those guys no more. And so that's the biggest thing. It's like you know, Marty was such a great leader, but he also empowered people around to right. step up and, and lead. And that's the same thing with Ramil and all those kind of things. It's like you know what the coaches can coach the X's and the O's, but your locker room has to take care of the locker room right. and things. You know, and there's you know how in the course of a season things always come up, things happen, whatever. But we took care of that in house. You know what I mean? It was like, right. you know, we, you know, our coaches allowed the, the veterans leaders to lead, and um, so I think that was the biggest thing. It's just like I, I love having that leadership style where, you know, Coach Mill would say to me all the time. He's like, T, whatever you do, don't ever be the smartest person in the room. He said, 
and don't be intimidated by people who are smarter than you because that's the only way you're going to get better. Right. And he said, all my coaching staffs, I wanted my offensive coordinator to one day go on to be a head coach. Right. I want my defensive coordinator to go on because if I if I can empower my guys to lead and do what their skill set is, that's only going to make us better. But you got right. some coaches like, I got to be the smartest guy. I got to have my hand in this. I got to I got to do this. And it's like, you know, so those are the things I really love from, from those leadership styles of really just like empowering the players to lead. Right. And I think that's why, you know, like with Jeff Saturday, everyone's giving him a hard time. But I'm like, look, Jeff's smart enough and he's wise enough to realize, like, I just need to be a leader. I don't need to I don't need to know what you know, I don't have to know all this stuff. I need to right. you know learn it. But at the end of the day, my defensive line coach is gonna work with defensive line, my defensive back coach, and I don't need to have my hand and all that. But you know what? Jeff was a leader in that locker room, and he's still gonna be a leader on that football team, and I think that's why he's gonna be successful. I'm I'm totally with you with Jeff said I, I couldn't believe the pushback. I was like oh I I would friggin' love for a guy like that. I mean, he just yep. comes in there with instant clout. Like you you yep. know what this guy, you know what he did. I mean, this is a I don't know, Jeff's a Hall of Famer, or if not something I mean he's called I me, mean, he's a really good player. Oh, for um, sure. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I didn't understand the pushback there. I think he's I think he's a fantastic choice. Um Talk to me. So I want to go back to about one point that you made about how we don't have that sort of grizzly vet in the locker room anymore. Yeah. When when I when Rex first got to so you know Eric Mandrini brings you in, he brings Alan Fanica in, yeah. he brings you know all these guys that you know it was like it man talk about leadership. I was really lucky in yeah. my career to have guys like you to look up to. But then when Rex comes, I remember on defense at each level he brings in Jimmy Leonard for this for the secondary. Bart yep. Scott at linebacker yep. and Marquis Douglas at defensive line. And these are your grizzly older guys. They're going to yep. set the standard. They're going to teach you the defense. They're going to lead by example. And it was like, they're going to tell you, they're going to show you what's up, what it means to be a jet. Exactly. Why, why don't we have that anymore? Is it just the sort of the pace, the, the yeah. contract structure with the guaranteed uh, yeah. money, you know, the older you get, the more you're guaranteed. I mean, t- talk to me, brother. Is there a reason we don't have it? Cause we don't, we really don't. Yeah. I think exactly. I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think, I think a lot of it is just the way that the contracts are structured. And you think about like, you know, it's interesting that the, the leaders on the team now become the players who are paid the most. And that's just, that just, and it's not, and sometimes, it, you know, a guy could be both, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way because you think like, I look back on some of the teams that the Jets have had, you know, since I've retired and you have a guy like, you know, Jamal Adams and nothing against Jamal Adams. But when he has to be the voice of the team in year three, you're like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Like in year three, dude, I didn't even, I didn't even open my mouth. You know what I mean? Right. Because no, no, no. there were so no. many guys in there. So I really believe, like you said, I think the way that the contracts are structured and the way the salary cap is built, I just you don't have those guys. I mean, your quarterback's generally gonna be your highest paid guy. And if he happens to be, excuse me, like a Tom Brady, great. And you right. he's been around for what 18 years. That's a different story, but you don't you just don't have those guys all of a sudden. Now your your leader, your team is your third year, fourth year guy, just because now he's the highest paid guy. Yeah. And everyone's looking up to him. And it's like, you know, that's the part I think that really has changed the game and it affects the locker room because you know, how can you lead? How can you be a leader if you've never taught if you've never been taught to be a leader or you haven't right. had guys that can pass, you know, pass the torch? And that's the thing. I think every locker room I've been in, there's always been two to three veterans that you just looked at. Like when I was with the uh, Jets, you know, we, I mean, when I was with the Chiefs, we had Dave Zott. And yeah. Dave was a strong Christian man. You know, every he was the same guy every day, sitting in his locker. You know, guys are doing this guy. Dave's sitting there, he's reading his Bible. I'd go to his house, you know, he didn't even have a TV in the house. And he started teaching me about like, you know, the importance of family and quiet time and things of that nature. 
And but guess what? When he he's a, he's a former uh, Penn State wrestler. Guess what? When you line up, Zop was gonna give it to you. You know what Shoot. I mean? So you, you looked at that. You looked at guys like that because those were the guys that you like. You know, quiet demeanor, but also was a dog on the field. And that's the, you don't have to. He didn't have to. Dave didn't never have to get up and yell and scream. But if Dave says something like, "Okay," like, "Whoa," you know what I mean? And those yeah. are the guys. That's how you build your locker room. So yeah, I think I think that's really. I mean, dude, I'm like that. You look at. I mean, even like the current Chiefs teams right now, and you know, obviously they have good leadership because your quarterback is, you know, and you got Travis Kelsey, you got those guys. But you look around, what I think that what uh, oldest guy might be in his eighth year. I don't even know. Right. Like you look at the rosters, you don't even have that ten year guy anymore. Yeah. Right. No, no. I mean, I remember my last year going into year ten, yeah. and my minimum contract was a million bucks, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I will. I wouldn't pay me a million dollars. I'm a first, second down run guy. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm yeah. in for 20% of the plays. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I I get that. It, but it's just, I mean, you bring up a good point. Like when I look at Casey's roster, yeah. Um, even though they do have they do have fantastic leadership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have that grizzly vet. You yeah, I mean, you like I look you look at Pat Mahomes, he's incredible. And I hear him talk and he is oh, yeah. a leader, and he but at the same time, it's not the Eric Berry's or the Ladania yeah. Tomlinson's or the Tony exactly. Richardson's or the Sean yeah. Ellis's, just something the Derek Johnson's, right? I mean, there's just something yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's that is certainly um that is certainly something that you would hope would get fixed because those those are the, and I feel like guys come in and there isn't a sort of there isn't a standard anymore. Like when I yeah. walked into the Jets locker room or the Chiefs locker room, like the standard was set. And if you were yep. a young guy, you had to live up to that. And now it's like, the, like you said, the young guys are coming in and they're yeah. expected to be the guy. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, and it's like, man, you, and again, going back to my other point, I mean, with, with seven practices and a couple OTAs yeah. and they're expected to be the guy now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just, well, it yeah. also, it's also one of those things and I know it, it started to kind of fizzle out um, when I was kind of in the tail end of my career. And I was never like a big proponent and like, hazing but yeah. then it got to a point where they cut all that out like yeah. literally like you know when i was leaving minnesota and i was you know i think i was year 15 and you come into the tape line i'm like oh yeah Rook, I'm, I'm next no you're not and i'm like oh no i'm next he was like no you're not and everybody to fight and i'm like dude i ain't got time here trying to fight with no rookie <laughs> but the fact that you can't even establish that like right. seniority like you know what if right. you get to year 15 guess what you'll always be the first in the tape line oh, but those kind of little things like you said the standard is set it's like Dude, I knew, like, if I came in and didn't get in early and Michael Irvin was about to get taped and I tried to jump on that table, no, that was not going to happen. You know what I mean? Charles Haley, man, like, I'm going to tell Charles Haley, like, no, nah, hey, hey, look here, dude, I'm next. I'm going to tell him. But you know, it's one of those things, and like you said, and that kind of builds your, your uh, I'm not saying it's necessary, but it's the same thing in the military. It's the same thing right. in certain places. It's just like, it's a standard of respect. And now I think a lot of the young guys, I mean, you probably can't even, you know, I talk to some of these young guys who they don't even know. They're like, I'm like, who do you think the greatest running back is? And I'm like, I'll say it. It's like, Jim Brown. I'm like, who's that? I'm like, dude, if you don't know, if you're a running back and you don't know who Jim Brown is, you need to take your pass right now. Yes, But they don't even, they have no respect for it's the now, it's the here to now. And they're like, oh, the greatest running back right now is Nick Chubb. I said, oh, yeah, in the whole league? Yeah, in the whole league. In the history of the league. I'm like, man, you didn't say that. In the history of the league. <laughs> Nick Chubb Come on. Ever. And I'm saying, like, but that's the thing. It's like it's you know it's our young generation. It's um, instant gratification. Um, right. These kids. I talked to a lot of my buddies who are coaching. 
dude, they, they have to have cell phone breaks. I'm like, what is that? They were like, their attention span is so small that that they give them breaks. They can't bring their phones in the, in the meeting rooms, but they give them like breaks every like 15 or 20 minutes so they can just get up, stand up, and, and go check their phone. Because if not, they can't they can't exist. And I'm sitting here like, I'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, yeah, we had, I'm like, dude, we used to, remember how long we used to sit in meetings forever. I'm talking about like we couldn't even get up to get water. Like we couldn't, we couldn't even, I'm like, I'm like, what do you he was like, yeah, every 15 to 20 minutes, we have to um we have to get a kid's breaks because their attention span. They can't concentrate, and they're automatically thinking about their social media, they're oh. thinking about their TikTok, and I'm just like, that's where we're at right now. That but, we have to every 15 minutes, these kids got to get up just because they're yeah. That's crazy. When I heard that, I was like, wow, that's <laughs> insane. I didn't know yeah. that, man. T. Yeah. Rich, I remember my rookie year. If I left a meeting, I were I was worried about getting cut. So like oh, yeah, I would, sure. so I would never, I would never leave. And and man, no. Jeannie, those meetings would go. Forever, and I remember yeah. one time I had to go to the bathroom so bad, <laughs> and I'm holding it, and I'm holding. I'm thinking this meeting's got to be over soon. Yeah, and it was like another hour. I thought I was gonna die, but I was like, I can't, I can't. No. I would rather die. I'm gonna piss yeah. my pants, but yeah. I'd rather do that than leave because he will cut me if I leave the yeah. meeting. You know, and, and think about how hard that was. It was like, because that was the thing. Like it's. I used to look forward to going out to practice just because I didn't have to sit in those meetings. Those meetings right. were brutal. And I'm just like, dude. And I was like, dude, football can't be this, <laughs> it can't be this hard. It can't, right. it can't be this right. miserable. But then you right. go out there and we're like, remember those warm-up drills? Dude, I'd be gassed. When we get, by the time we finish individual, I was done. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of this practice. But I used to tell TJ, I'm like, hey, TJ, man, pray for me. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> I said, dude, I'm about to die. <laughs> and I felt like I prided myself and always been in shape. And I'm like, dude, this, this individual drill is brutal. I'm like, they, they wanted you, they wanted no gas in the tank at all going into practice. I'm like, dude, I ain't gonna better make it today. We only have, have one or two fullbacks. And I'm like, dude. So, oh, man, you were in a tough position. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ooh, and man, you were in a tough position. He, he brought me here, and man, Jeannie told me. He said, T, you know, he said, no, he never called me T like he knew me. He called me like, hey, Tony. He's like, Tony. yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, I don't like fullbacks. I'm looking at him. I thought he was joking. I said, well, I want to say, well, why'd you bring me here? He said, yeah, you know, when you have a fullback, and he literally would say this, like, right in the middle of practice, I'm over here like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be out of here tomorrow. And he was like, yeah, he was like, if you have a fullback, it just creates an automatic tail. Because he yeah. said, if you're in a strong formation, we already know. I'm like, all right. So if you know this, then why am I here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you don't like fullbacks, so his biggest thing was like he's like yeah that's why I like you know a wing back or a tight end because guess what he could be in the backfield he can motion out and run a nine route I'm like well dude if you want me to run a nine route I ain't gonna be able to do that you know what I mean but he's me like, and he's also telling me like and I don't even know I, I think a lot of people didn't even notice you know West off would be like hey man it's going it might be hard for you to be up this week I'm like what are you talking about he's like yeah if you're not you know a four time uh, uh, all four phase special teams guy you know you I'm like. Why in the world would you guys bring me here? I've been a starter my entire career. Now at the end of my career, you were here telling me I might be inactive. I've never been inactive other than like right. maybe once or twice my rookie year or early on. And, right. this, and he's never talking about, yeah, you know, Mangini just really don't like fullbacks. He said, I'm fighting for you every week. And I'm like, now I got to deal with this. Dude, I'm, he's like fighting for him. I'm like, dang. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Dude, that, that one year of the Jets was probably the most miserable year of my entire career. Oh, but my it taught me resilience. Until Rex got here, dude, it's like all of a sudden – the plants start blooming. Yeah, the clouds, the dark clouds spread. Yeah. Was, the rainbow came over. Dude, remember, and it's crazy that to even rehash this stuff, like as soon as practice started, it was like a uh, the blinds 
and the whole facility just go down. Dude, the staff couldn't even watch us practice. They couldn't even speak to us. <laughs> we came in the facility. They, they saw us. They had to turn around and go back upstairs, like everything. I'm like, this is this is brutal. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I've got to tell you about our friends at Liquid Death. And by now, you know that those strange tall boys in that bottled water section, there's not actually beer. It's a mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. It's a crazy new water brand. Cans look wild. I've got one right here. You know I've already got the severed lime with me. One of my favorite flavors, my favorite flavor, actually, of the Liquid Death. It comes in uh, di several different flavors if you want the sparkling water, the still water. It's all great. But why is it called Liquid Death? Well, it'll brutally murder your thirst. That's why. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are here to bring death to plastic pollution. I'd love to see that. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution as well. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to liquiddeath.com uh, slash KCSN to use their store locator tool, or you can go uh, find Liquid Death at your Target, Walmart, 7-Eleven, uh, or again, go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN, find a store locator tool, use that, and that's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get back to the show. Oh, man. T. Rich, that is so funny, man. I forgot all about that. Yeah. But I do remember, man, when Rex got there, it was like uh, just the oh, yeah. difference. To, that was unbelievable. Um, brother, I want to get into a situation that happened with the Jets. I remember yeah. talking a lot about New York. But to get there, I want to talk about some of the leaders that you were around in yeah. KC. So you, you named a bunch of them. So talk to me about maybe, maybe give me your top leader, like just like paradigm. This is what leadership looks like. Who are those guys? And what did that, what did that look like to yeah. you? What, what did you um, see from those guys? You know, I, I had a lot, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing when you, yeah. you have to kind of like jog your memory because you had so many, but you know, I remember early in my career, you know, having James hasty and James was no nonsense. Like dude, that dude. And that's when back in the day, when you bump around, you could pretty much, uh, Daniel assault someone at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Hasty was that guy. He was that guy. Like, you know, if Hasty says something, like literally, you know, that's in the days where you know guys would get into it with coaches and like, tell them I'm not doing this. And it was like those kind of days. Right. But Hasty was one of those guys. He he literally was the reason why I became a player rep. He didn't even ask me. He said, "Hey," and I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Hey, come in here." I was like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Hey, this is a union meeting." I'm like, "Okay." He's like, I wanted to want you to do. He's like, everything that everyone talks about, you need to write down. I'm like, dang, I'm saying we just left practice. I gotta do this. But he was like, he's like, everything that's gonna affect you during your career, after your career is in the CBA. He right. said, I'm gonna need you to remember memorize the CBA and I'm gonna need you to write down everything. And so then like the next following year, he was like, Okay, you're gonna be the union rep. And I'm saying like, dang, but you know what? He empowered me. And so I was literally the guy that would walk around to guys and I'm like, hey man, you know, make sure you sign for your 401k. And it was like, Ah, uh, T. Rich, you're just trying to take my money. I'm like, no, bro, I'm not trying to take your money. And I'm like, what's a 401k? I need some wheels. I need some rims. I was yeah. like, listen, I tell him, I said, a 401k is going to be a vehicle that's going to carry you for the rest of your life. Right. And it ain't no shiny rims. It ain't no gold chain. It ain't any of that stuff. And I used right. to talk to guys like that. So, you know, for me, that kind of, you know, that was a, a, a leader that really, you know, really, really stuck out to me. And then, 
you know, I had, like I said, Dave Zott. I mean, literally, he's Zott, Dave's yeah. the one that literally was the first one that invited me to um, uh, his church. It was a it was a revival, and that particular night we had Bishop T.D. Jakes, Bishop Eddie Long, and um, and wow. Pastor Steve. Brown. Yeah, and it was at Dave's church, and so he invited me. Like we're sitting on the second row, and, and he he just and the pastor said, "Is there anyone here that just kind of not kind of but feels like you know what my message said today? You know." Um, you know, has you know, has you feel in a certain way, and would you like to give your life to Christ? Because so I had already committed my life to Christ when I was in college, and you know, FCA, and yeah. you know, you know all that. But then this was the first time, like literally, I'm like, it just really just hit me. It was like, dude, I, it looked like I floated from my seat, and next thing I know, I'm in the front, and it was like, and then Dave, Dave just took me on his wing. So you talking about that's the leadership for life? You know what I mean? That's the leadership that you can't it has nothing to do with X's and O's, and that's the thing. Like, so Hasty prepared me from the standpoint of knowing that CBA and then also realizing like, I'm going to empower you so that you can be the guy. Cause he was, you know, Hasty had said like, man, I'm getting toward a teller in my career. And this is when the league and the, and, <laughs> and the PA was, it was consensus. It was like, dude, they used to be fights in our union meetings. Like, right. you know, Shaw and Marcus Allen swinging at each other. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I need to know, I need to know what's going on in here. And I, to understand, and I was a union rep and then I was on the executive committee and that was preparing me for life after football. But then with Dave, he was paying me for life after everything. You know what I mean? And so That's right. you know, I look at two guys like that and it's like, and both like, you know, Zot, I mean, Zot was a, a quiet, subservient leader and just like he led by example in every area of his life. Because for me, everything has to match up or has to line up. Like I can't follow someone if it's like, okay, this is great here, but they yeah. have to feel, you know what right. I mean? It's a whole, right. different, whole right. different person. Right. And then, you know, and then Hasty's the same way, like, you know, family man, Mean as dude, as mean as a rattlesnake. You know what I mean? Right. He also was literally like, you know, get in your face, and he'd also get in someone's face on defense. But also everything that it, there was no, there was no gap. Like it was, I saw how he was as a dad, I saw how he was as a husband, and right. I saw how he was in the football field. And it was never like, okay, look at Hasty now. Like no, it was right. those are the guys. And so, you know, having two guys like that, you know, in my life, um, you know, and I've had, you know, I mean, there was just so many guys and guys led in different ways, but those two guys are two that really stick out to me the most. Mm, I, Zodder, I love, so, you know, and you know this, when we were in New York, Dave finished, so Dave followed your career, started yeah. in Kansas City, finished in New York, yeah. I went the opposite, um, but Dave was, and still is, the uh, Director of Player Development yeah, in definitely. New York, and uh, he just, you're right, I mean, just an incredible man to look up to right i mean yep. and and you talk about like if you're going to be a leader it's that old adage like are you doing the same things when nobody's looking right it's easy yeah, to go up and rah rah and say these things yep. but like zot's the kind of man that i know whatever he's preaching he's doing that when well, nobody's that, watching yeah. but are you you i think about him as a player so in 2009 i don't know if you remember this Rex had the Mark Sanchez camp. So Sanchez had just gotten drafted. Yeah. It was at the end of the uh, OTAs, and we did like an extra three or four days. Mm -hmm. And I stayed to get some extra work in. Uh, and it was for Mark to get used to the offense and stuff like that. So it was all the rookies. Um, and they they didn't have enough offensive linemen. So they told Zotter, they said, Zotter, you suit up. Now, I was just there going through individual drills, right? But when Zotter suits up and goes in on 11 and on 11, they say, hey, DeVito, you go in and go bull rush him. Go run him over, right? So go, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go run Zotter. <laughs> T-Rich, when I tell you they snapped the ball, man, Zotter got out of his stance, and I went to bull him. 
and he just freaked locked in and sat me down. Now, this is what how many years had he been out? This was 2000. He's been out for a while, yeah. Yeah, like seven, eight years. He sat me right down, man. I couldn't move. No, I like that never happened. You could you imagine? If you got someone that, I mean, literally, he literally is like, that's what he said, coming off the street and just went in there and live drill and just got after it. <laughs> 320, yeah. I'm a 320 pound, like, just ready to rock defensive tackle. I'm yeah, coming yeah. off 100 miles an hour and trying to make an example. Boy, he shut me right down, T. I was like, oh, man. That's crazy. Oh, Zadar is something else, man. But I, I, I wanted to get into that because I, I, I had the, again, like I said, I had the blessing to look up to you and guys like you. Um, and we saw what recently happened with Zach Wilson in New York. Yep. And I just thought about that when we were there, that never, you never, even, you know, when Mark was the quarterback, Pennington, Favre, whoever it was, you never would have gotten a response like that where, you know, the defense holds the, the opposing offense to three points, yep. you know, Zach and the, and the, the Jets offense only put three points on the board and they ask him, you know, do you feel sort of, um, uh, you know, are you, you feel like you let the defense down yeah. and he just said, no, no, not at all. I was yeah. like, just blown away because man, it, it just seemed like the opposite of good leadership. And one of the things with Zach Wilson coming out was, you know, he has the talent, but does he have the sort of intangible things that it takes to be not only a quarterback in the NFL, but a quarterback for the New York jets. Yep. So, and it just seems like that was one of the question marks. Like, you know, he might not have that kind of attitude that, that, that kind of uh, whatever it takes to be, you know, to be in that incredibly difficult position. And with that answer, it just highlighted like, yeah, no, he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, did you feel the same way with that? Cause you know, we both know there are going to be days where the offense does better than the defense. The defense yep. is better than the offense. We see it with Kansas city all the time. Um, when you when you heard that, were you just kind of like, man, damn, that's yeah. not the right answer? <laughs> yeah, that, that that hit me. That that struck me in such a, a wrong way because, like you said, you know, your quarterback is the CEO of the team, and so and the best thing I heard yesterday was from Rex because obviously, you know, living in New York is yeah. the hottest topic out right now. Yeah. But Rex said this, and and it was interesting because I remember Rex used to have us. When we did medium. Rex would say, you know what? I think we had two two teammates and someone else. We mentioned so in everything we'd be like, "Oh, T. Rich, how was your performance today?" Hey, man, listen, you know what? I was That's watching right. Vito play today, um, right. and I saw Bart Scott do this, and then you know whatever, whatever. And so Rex mentioned this, and he said, "You know what? When you win, it should always be we and us." And then he said, "But when you lose, you you say I." And what? And all he literally had to do was, and you know, and I don't. I mean, I, to, with them benching him today. I don't see how they ever. I don't see how they ever can put him back in because it's because yeah. you know if they put a, if they parade him back out there was you know this which they want the Sundays I think he's inactive. I mean that that fan this fan base I live right across the street here in Queens I live right across the fire department. These dudes right now if you cut them open, greens coming out of the yeah, door. That's right. I mean, that's right. <laughs> they're hard nosed. They're hard nosed. Jet fans are right. are your firefighters, your police officers, your right. your electronic. These are hard nosed, you know, fan base and they know what they know what BS is and that's BS because. Mm -hmm. All he would have had to say was like, you know what? I need to do better. I need to put us in more manageable downs. All those kind of things versus like, right. no. I'm like, dude, you, you, first of all, you haven't. he hasn't been around long enough to know how hard it is to play in New England, number one. But number two, to, to, to hold him to zero points, zero, like no points other than the, the field goal. The field goal. And him, for him to get up there and say, no, we didn't let the defense down. I'm like, dude, all I mean, because then even if, even if 
if even if that wasn't the case, and he said, you know what, I let the team down today. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. Then that's when the veterans, the leaders on defense say, hey, look here. He's like, man, I really, we really appreciate that. Listen, man, um, it's not all on you. We need to do better. We all need to do better. We got your back. You say, no, dude, that locker room, that's like if we could have hold on the screen right now, it's cut in half and it's not repairable. Not this year with him. It's, it's going to be very, very difficult. Oh, T. Rich. And, and it's so sad because they were doing so well. And I know exactly. you, yeah. you, like me, we care a lot about that organization. So, uh, yeah, that was that was really sad. All right, brother, you've been on for 42 minutes, man. I'm incredibly grateful. Before before I let you go, though, you're, and I'm going to spring this on you, so forgive me. Your favorite Chiefs memory, man. Talk, tell me, favorite memory memory oh. would be Arrowhead. But I, I always hate that, and I was going to text you beforehand yeah. and tell you, and I just remembered. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we can cut it. But favorite um, memory in KC. You know, I I get to, I mean, there's so many because we, I mean, dude, we had, you know, I was just texting when talking with Dante Hall yesterday. Yeah. And dude, we had so many great memories, but I'm gonna tell you one that really stuck out was um we're uh we're getting it's training camp. And I wanna say Herm was still with the uh now who was it? yeah, no, it was yeah, I guess we were getting ready to play the we were getting ready to play the Falcons and they were they were talking like mad junk, like yeah. mad stuff. Yeah. And so Vermeer was like, you know what, we're gonna run the ball every single down. Like literally the first drive, see, we didn't we didn't even we didn't complete one pass. We ran it every last single down, and dude, we went out and rushed for eight rushing touchdowns. Eight. Priest <laughs> <laughs> Hall, Priest had four. Derek Blaylock had four. They were talking like mad junk. I guess you know Ramil had got a hold of like some kind of a uh, um, some kind of stuff. They were they were talking noise in like training camp, and we said we were gonna run the ball. I'm talking about I'm talking about they could be 39. We were running, getting it. <laughs> Third two, getting it. Fourth and one, getting it. It's like you know, if you're on the other side of that coin, dude, you get ran through like that. Oh. It's like that was probably the. I mean, you're talking about you know, uh, shoot, Willie Rowe, Will Shields, Jason Dunn, who was literally like a tackle. Um, oh. You know, Casey Wigman, Wigman, um, Brian Waters. Dude, I'm talking about you're talking about four different people off the. Dude, we were taking defense line. They were they were just taking them back ten yards and just sitting them down. <laughs> It was like, and running backs. Can you imagine giving up eight rushing touchdowns? It was, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty special. That's probably that's probably you know for me because a lot of guys are always like, man, what are some of your favorite memories? Like, you know, was when you're running against the Broncos, you carrying the ball. I'm like, no, mine is blocking, like yeah. just just owning people, like just like right in the mouth. You know, oh. sir, you're gonna get it. And my tailbacks were able to get eight rushing touchdowns. That means the offense line and fullback did their job. So, oh man and t rich you did such a great job at it man one of the best to ever do it thank brother thank you for your time today i know if i'm grateful chief's kingdom incredibly grateful thank you for coming on brother we love you chief's love you, kingdom bro. we will see you next week hopefully with another w come back check us out here on one-on-one -on -one.